1: I'm Marcus Aurelius Anderson, and my guest today truly embodies that phrase. Eric Leha is a strength and conditioning coach in Austin, Texas. He is co-founder of Onnit Gym, an Adidas training athlete, and he specializes in kettlebell and unconventional training. In addition to teaching classes, workshops, and certifications in person, he also has an online fitness app where he provides workout programs and fitness education. I cannot recommend this man's work enough. Um, I've got a lot of people that are either veterans, people that are active duty now that are going through the BUDS pipeline, SEALS training, Ranger school, et cetera. And they have said that this man's training, Eric's training at Primal Soldier has given them the, the edge that they need and helped them do some prehab so they don't get injured in the process. And for those of you that have ever been into a military environment, the war of attrition is probably the biggest war you'll ever fight. So Eric, thank you for being here today.
2: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure.
1: Man, it's an honor. Big
2: fan, love all your content. Your book oh. is awesome.
1: So grateful to be here. Thank you, brother. I, I I need to send you one. And when I saw all the stuff you were doing, and then I saw that you have like nearly nine hundred thousand followers on Instagram, mm-hmm. and then other guys were telling me about you, and I started looking into what you were doing. I was like, wow, this is this is the stuff right here. Because there are a lot of trainers out there, right? But people like you, people like Jay Frugia, people that are doing the work that have actually been in there and see what works and what doesn't work I think that's what we need more about there because it's really easy for somebody to just say trainer or speaker and put it on their bio and not maybe not yeah know what I'm talking about
2: yeah you gotta work with somebody who's been in the trenches and has actually worked with real clients and has uh you know worked with a multitude of different types of people and gotten them results and uh, yeah like you said there's a lot of people who can just slap the the name on their bio and you know look really good on camera but if they don't know what they're talking about they could be putting out programs that honestly are probably doing a lot of people a disservice could probably injure people so I've done my best in my career to try to you know continuously educate myself and stay on top of the game and try to gain as much experience and the little time honestly that I've been doing this I've been doing this probably for eight years we started i started coaching in 2014 but i've been in, i've worked out and did martial arts since i was like 13 Yeah. so but coaching actual clients is hasn't been as long as some other coaches out there but i have made a point of you know i had some great mentors who were always like hey i want you to take a shirt workshop two or three times a month every weekend and uh, you know being young at the time i was like nah man that's I want to go out and party and hang out with my friends. We would still go out and hang out and party, but we would show up to our commitments to those workshops and try to absorb as much as we could. And like sponges, we took it all in and learned a lot really quickly and was able to apply it the very next Monday with clients and got a lot of reps and a lot of experience. And I'm just very grateful that I had those mentors that pushed me to to continuously have that growth mindset to always want to learn.
1: And I think that there's two big things that you put, touched on right there. First of all, you learned with this intention of knowing that you're going to need to teach it. Mm-hmm. So it makes you really pay attention. You're not just like, yeah, 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 I get it. Blah, 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 blah. We're doing this protocol, doing this protocol. It's like, no, you really said, I have to internalize this, know it, front and back because I want to teach you to somebody on Monday or I know a client on Wednesday that this is perfect for what they need or this yeah. is where they're weak right and now you're able to uh, a chain is only as strong as this weakest link so now you're able to strengthen that protect them and now they build this trust this love this respect for what you're doing so that's huge. yeah
2: so one of the biggest practices that we have in the system that I grew up in or that that I learned from was the audit academy it's not really a thing anymore but it was around we had these certifications i was one of the coaches that i I became a coach later on but early on as you know i was just a student my mentors shane hines and john wolf they were very uh, adamant about having us be in like not just be there to listen and try to learn the information for our clients but to learn it for ourselves and practice the movements and feel like feel the movements so that we know exactly what our clients are feeling when they're going through it so not just standing back taking notes but getting in there being in the mix and knowing what it actually feels like so that you know what you're talking about when you're working with your clients so that was that's always been now going into different parts of my life trying new things outside of fitness it's like man if i really want to understand something you have to do it, you know, not just
1: learn about it through books or through podcasts. You have to, you know, be immersed in the experience. Yeah, that's um, very much the Octa non mentality, right? Actions, not words. And and we see in today's society that we have more information at our fingertips with AI and and social media and everything than we ever have. Yet, if it was really a lack of information, then everybody would be in great shape like you. They'd be happy, healthy, fulfilled multimillionaires. And yet we see that that is not the case at all. It's actually the opposite where people assume, oh, I know how to do a kettlebell swing or I've seen you do a kettlebell swing. I can do it. It's like, have you done it? Have you done it with a Tabata Protocol? Have you done it with this? Have you done it single arm? Have you done these variations? If you haven't, then all you're doing is becoming familiar. But sometimes that familiarity is just enough. We talk about martial arts, right? The guy that's been there for a month, he knows just enough to get his ass kicked, is what we always said, right? Because,
0: <laughs> yeah. right,
1: and he's like, yeah. oh, I can, I can sort of throw a jab, I can, I can kind of do a single leg, and then you watch him, and you're like, dude, you're going to be in a lot of trouble if you get into a fight.
2: Mm-hmm. That's funny that you say that. I just recently started getting back into martial arts, beautiful, um, and just trying to explore new avenues to express my fitness. And like I said earlier, when we we're talking about the men's group, I'm thinking about leading. It's mm-hmm. just like getting back into things and new things that i've done in the past but uh yeah i went to my first ever boxing class that i've I've been to in probably like four years and i felt like a noob you know like a a new uh, a new beer uh fresh person and i was just like i mean i'm i've known from my experience like you got to just go in and you know Mm -hmm. be a student and don't be cocky and so i had that under my belt that attitude but I was still, you know, like, wow, this, I feel so new and fresh at this. I, I can't even move like I used to. You know, it's not the same. And then they're like, okay, we're going to spar the last 15 minutes. And I'm like, oh, thank God I forgot my mouthpiece. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sparring today. I'm going to hit the punching bags. I don't know if I'm ready. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's, uh, yeah, I think uh, a lot of us, even sometimes we, even I still struggle, you know, even though like I have certain, uh, stuff that I've kind of I mastered, I like I've, I'm really skilled at. For example, the fitness, the kettlebells, and then you kind of let other things kind of fall back as you're really focused on one thing. But it's always important to remember if you're going to get get back into things that you used to be really good at, be humble and uh, don't try to just jump right back in. You might get hurt or you're, you might bruise your my bruise ego a little bit more than you want. So always go in with an open mind
1: to. <laughs> work your way back up. We have to. We have to have that wipeout mentality.
2: Mm-hmm, exactly.
1: And like that. pain and discomfort are the best teachers. So like you said, you're throwing that jab and you're dropping your hand. That guy's going to bring yeah. it back at you. He's like, hey, keep yeah. your hand up.
2: Yeah.
1: And then it, it we'll be nice the first few times, right? And then mm-hmm. if they keep dropping, it's like <laughs> you give them a little bit more to get their attention. It's like, oh, yeah. It's like, yeah, sorry. That yeah,
2: go away. <laughs> Got to learn go somehow. Away.
1: Yeah. yeah, well, it's just like with the kettlebell, like the minute that you lose focus or the minute that you're not paying attention, like maybe you do the entire set. And then how many guys do we know that don't put it down correctly? Now they tweak their back of their Oh, knee. yeah. Right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know? you got attention
1: from start to finish. That's it. And it's about that mental commitment, that mental follow through at 10th Mountain. When we would go up mountains, they were like, Listen, you'll break your leg on the way down if you're not as focused as when you're going up, because that's the hard part. We're like, I have to pay attention. I have to pay attention. Where's my hand? Where's my foothold? Where's my lead? And then on the way down, it's like, Okay, you know, we've already done the hard part. It's like, no, dude, until you're flat again, you're just as in actually more yeah. danger lots of times.
2: Exactly. Yeah. It's not over until it's over.
1: That's it. <laughs> just like with a, a workout, um, how many people do we know that? the rush through their warm up because they're like, I want to get to the meat of this. It's like, dude, if you're not focused on the warm up, you're probably not going to be focused during the actual most important part of it. Yeah, or
2: exactly, we put such a big priority on like strong warm ups, especially now that I'm 30 years old. Like when I was like 20 in my 20s, like oh, I could just like do a quick five minute warm up, do a couple, you know, explosive burpees to get my my blood flowing, get my nervous system ramped up. But nowadays, it's like, oh man, I can't go. I can't just jump right into a workout. You know, I used to be like, "Oh, I can just in the middle of a set, warm up with the weights mm-hmm. as I'm scaling up." But now it's like, "No, I have to do a little bit of joint mobility, some shoulder warm-ups, really focus on the pillar like my core, my shoulders, my hips before I start getting into anything explosive, you know, which I love doing. I love doing explosive movements to help prime me for the actual workout." So honestly, like my workouts, my warmups are anywhere from five to 15 minutes, depending on how my, I'm feeling that day. And it's honestly the most important part for me is the warmup. It's
1: part of the workout. Yeah, you built it into that. So it's just part of it. You don't say this is the warmup. Now this is this. It's like, no, this is yeah, the beginning and then we finish. And then even with the cool down, trying to make sure you're giving that mobility, giving that ability to yep. recover. That's
2: yep, the decompression. So important. Absolutely it's like that's how you start, initiate that recovery phase. A lot of people think, oh, I just got to work out really hard. You know, go hard, go heavy, go fast, be really powerful, get all the hard work in. And what they don't understand is like the whole point of training is you're putting your body under these stressors that can create positive adaptations. But if you're not recovering and you're never going to see those positive adaptations, and even when we're training, we can develop some, some negative adaptations from that stress and so that's why we really prioritize that on it gym is the decompression even if it's five ten minutes at the end of your workout it gets you into that parasympathetic relaxed state so you can start Absolutely. unloading some of that stress you put your muscles under your spine to help you really calm you down and help you you know go off into your day so you can actually make some gains and come back the next day a little bit maybe pain-free
1: yeah that's and what is that building it's that longevity yeah absolutely i think you know i'm an instructor under bruce lee's courtesy guru dana nassanto guru nassanto is 87 years old and you know years ago he was like marcus the body you have when you're 20 is not the body you're going to have when you're 30 or the body you're going to have when you're 40 and i was like well You know, he was in the 60s when he he said that. I was like, he's just saying that because he's older. And I was, you know, in my 30s. But at the same time, now that I'm 51, I've had some injuries. I have to respect my body. I have to respect the work. And more importantly, it makes me respect the goals that I set and the endeavors that I go towards, as opposed to just saying, I'm going to try to do everything. It's like that. that's not the best way to do anything, in my opinion, at least in my experience. Maybe when if I were younger, I could just kind of try everything and see what works, which is what I hope everybody's doing because that's what got you where you are right now. Yeah. Having said that, understand that there are these core tenets like you're talking about, presence, attention to detail, commitment, full focus in everything that you're doing. There are certain parts in our life when I understand we don't have to have a 1,000% attention, but in the things when we are doing it, make sure that those are the things that have your attention. Make sure your phone's not going off. Make sure that you're not
2: yeah about
1: these other things because those things will distract you and, again, maybe not harm you. But if you're only getting 80% out of that workout, then over time you're starting to make a lot of regression instead of progression.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I know. For me, presence in anything is huge, especially working out, you know? And that's why I really enjoy having a training partner, mm. you know, like having somebody there with you, holds you accountable. Otherwise I can see myself on the phone and it, it creates a more mindful practice too. Like the more that I spend training with people and partners, then how sometimes when I go off my own and trip on myself, I have a little bit more ability yeah. to not be distracted. So a lot of people, if you're struggling with like, oh, I'm play- you're playing on your phone a lot, then maybe take a break from training alone and try to find a training partner and build those strong habits with being accountable to somebody. Then, for me, that's helped me be more accountable to myself when I'm alone. And honestly, that's kind of how my whole life has been. You know, like I used to love to go party and do all these things because so I was alone, I was single, and I could do whatever I wanted, and it wasn't until I started being accountable to Uh, recovery group you know I was like I have to go go to these meetings and even though I had ditched the alcohol and the substances I still wanted to go do things that probably didn't serve me or were a waste of time you know and or just work out more all day when I've already gotten enough training in I I needed to find a community that helped me be accountable to be of service to other people not just Doing the same old things that weren't really helping me, you know, get where I wanted to be. And so by being accountable to other people in that community, it helped me be more accountable to myself when I was alone. And so for some people, that's not what you need. you're from the get go, you're a badass and you can be accountable to yourself and you're committed and you're disciplined. Um, but for me, I wasn't that like that initially. I used training and working out when I was younger to become disciplined, learn how to, you know, show up and, you know, commit to long term goals and really put in the work. But over time, you know, doing that over and over again, it kind of became an obsession. Mm -hmm. And it kind of became a little bit unhealthy. I focused on the wrong things. You know, I kind of jumped out of martial arts, I wasn't competing anymore. And I was doing it for social media and it became my my career. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, I have to look good all the time because I'm on camera and sex sells. And so I focused on the wrong things instead of being strong and for performance and to try to perform well on the mats and not get beat up by everybody. I was instead focused on not getting beat up by everybody verbally online. I, get, I didn't want to be, I wanted to be the most jacked dude online, the best looking guy. And so I developed, you know, body dysmorphia, eating disorders, and I was like 20 years old. And I was like, or like in my mid-20s, it kind of resurfaced as my social media presence started to grow. And I was like, I remember I wasn't going to family gatherings where my grandmother was cooking because I didn't want to, because I'm Mexican and I didn't want to.
1: Tamales and everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, that's one of my biggest regrets, but. You know, that became an obsession training that was something that was very healthy for me early on that helped me master, you know, being learned to be disciplined, turn into an an unhealthy obsession because I just kind of didn't find other healthier ways. And honestly, I lost my tribe. You know, I had that community, that camaraderie when I was doing martial arts. I had people that were holding me accountable. And when I went off solo and started my own business, where it kind of was just all on me. And you know, I was coaching clients, teaching classes. But then when COVID came around, I pretty much went all online yeah. and stopped training in person. And I just, that's when things got really crazy. I was all by myself. I was wasn't seeing people in person. Everything was behind the screen and everything was online. And so I had a lot more time to be by myself, but I didn't develop a healthy way to show up for myself because I was so used to being around my community. I never really was, you know, in tune with how that camaraderie, how being in that community helped me be accountable. And I wasn't being accountable to myself during COVID, and every when my online business was like was like my hundred percent thing. Now, a couple of years later, I've been able to I've gotten back in the gym, teaching classes, training clients. I work out with my mother; she's one of my main clients. I get to train her almost awesome. every day, and so I'm accountable to her. I'm accountable to my clients there. And now, when I do go off by myself and I'm focused on my online business. I'm a lot more accountable to myself and show up as a person that I want to be, not doubting myself. And, you know, I compl- I always check in with my friends and mentors that I look up to to make sure, you know, I'm not just holding things in and creating, you know, uh, self-doubt. You know, so it's like for me, community and being accountable, finding a group of guys or friends that you can show up for has been the biggest thing to help me
1: stay on track. That's everything. And you brought us some incredible points there. So a person that has the kind of online presence that you have and has built something incredible as you have, tell us how you're able now, because you were saying how in 2020, because you were so detached from everybody, mm-hmm. that was the thing that stopped you from being able to really be able to stay in that healthy place. How even now that things are open back up, what do you still have in place? What parameters, what boundaries, dare I say, that do you really enforce for your own mental wellness, as well as staying away from this thing of where it's something that's completely consuming? Because right now, as we're speaking, like, you're completely present with me. You're not worried about a bunch of other stuff that's going on, which is a good testament to what you're doing.
2: Yeah, man. Honestly, yeah, it's hard when you're trying to balance, you know, real life or present life in person with people with the online stuff. Um, But I've been able to balance it out. By learning to be more comfortable with being my authentic self Hmm. and showing up as who I really want to be instead of trying to look towards like, I don't know how I grew up my whole life. I don't care what people think. I don't care what people think. But when your business and your your livelihood depends on literally people buying your programs, paying for your services off of a social media presence, it, it gets pretty, it gets tough, like, oh man. Am I doing the right thing? Am I, do I have the right look? Are my videos looking good enough for people to engage with? You know, so it can become a little bit stressful. But the more that I lean into being myself and my literally vibration, my happiness will come across on the screen. And I'm actually doing the things that I love to do and not just like searching, oh, what's trending? Uh, trying to follow what other people are doing when I do what I that's how I got started honestly was doing the things that I wanted to do was Mm -hmm. doing the kettlebells having fun mixing it up and triplanar multiplanar movement you know moving in different directions unlocking new ways to move doing body weight animal flow that that's the stuff that was in line with how I wanted to move that carried over really well to the martial arts that I loved growing Mm up and that helped me launch a business that was unique and very niche and that people really resonated with because they were kind of tired of doing conventional training. And so I kind of lost touch with that after COVID because during COVID, every like my social media pretty much doubled in size because everybody was looking for at home workouts. And so when you have, you go from like 400,000 followers to 800,000 overnight, It's like, whoa, okay. And now I have to, I in my mind, I'm like, I have to be extra careful. I need to make sure that I'm putting out the best workouts that are science-backed because there's so many people watching me. I have to make sure I do all the research. I look at all the research articles, and I started really doubting myself and the stuff that I was doing because the stuff that I was doing is very on the frontier of training. There aren't a lot of articles explaining the benefits of. Kettlebell flowing or animal flow. And although I had a ton of experience with my clients and in in the gym, in my classes, and with myself on the huge benefits that I was having, I started listening to the outside voices of these other strength and conditioning coaches who were talking crap about, oh, you're never going to make gains using a little kettlebell and moving and dancing, you know? And so I started listening to those voices and I started re-shifting my priorities in my business and started pumping out programs that were geared more towards conventional training with barbells, dumbbells for, to make, you know, hypertrophy gains. And honestly, just trying to follow in line with science backed training and it worked. I even followed it myself and put on like, you know, 30 pounds in the, the last two years, three years. And so it works, but I wasn't happy you know, putting out content and stuff that people don't really care about. You know, like they didn't They're like, yeah, we've known about this stuff for years. That's why it's science-backed and it works. But we want something new because we're tired of moving the same way. And a lot of us are in pain or a lot of us are 30, 40, 50 years old and we have families and we're busy and we don't want to spend five, six days in the gym working arms one day doing shoulders and and then chest and then legs like we're not bodybuilders we just want to move well have longevity and have extra time to spend with our families doing other stuff that we love and so for me that's been one of the biggest uh shifts in in the past honestly like year where i'm like man i am now focused on going back to my bread and butter Mm -hmm. the stuff that got me here the kettlebells the full body workouts because not only do they work, but they also, they're more efficient and they allow me time to do other things that I love. And now I'm going to start exploring martial arts again and trying new things. Like I'm going to try hunting for the first time in a couple months. I'm going to start doing some tactical training awesome. and all kinds of stuff that are just going to help me, you know, be able to express my myself in different ways and de-stress in different ways because I know that's what I need and hopefully by showing people the possibilities that are outside of the gym, you know, obviously we need like the fitness is a huge part of it to be able to move well and do these things. But, you know, being able to step outside the gym, outside of the gym walls and do other things to connect with yourself and with other men is huge. And I've already felt that in the last six months by, you know, hanging out with friends and meeting them where they're at instead of always used nice to get, like I used to have so many awesome people in my life who like, Hey man, let's hang out. I would love to connect with you. I love what you're doing and they're doing their own thing too. They're like leading these amazing bow hunting retreats and they're experts at, you know, all these other things that are super interesting, but I would always be like, uh, yeah, let's hang out, but come to my arena, come to where I feel comfortable. Meet me at the gym, yeah. not only because I feel comfortable there, but it's convenient for me. And now I'm like, man, I got to stop doing that. I have to lean into discomfort because the more that I lean into discomfort, honestly, the better my quality of life gets because I'm able to push my edge and like realizing, man, I'm capable of so much more instead of just being the guy that's stuck in the gym all the time. Like, I've already mastered, you know, this. I'm, I mean, I've mastered it. I still want to get better. I'm still going to keep learning, of course, stay on top of my game, but. I'm pretty versed in this area. It's time to step out and put myself in other positions to to keep growing, to keep myself interested in life, you know, my greater purpose, which honestly right now I feel like my purpose has gotten a lot clearer in the last six months, is to go head first into trying new things and helping men, you know, uh, be able to express their healthy masculinity in different ways that they can resonate with, you know, not everybody feels called to be in the gym, not everybody, you know, wants to work out all the time. So that's why I'm also trying to do different things, getting back into martial arts. uh, I'm going to try hunting. I'm going to try, you know, learning how to shoot and even doing breath work, you know, doing finding different communities to engage with and to try to, you know, build tribe in, in different ways connect with different people
1: and that's the power of that i, I know that you know my story and mastery by robert green he says that when you're not sure where to go go back to the beginning
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so yeah. like what you're saying you're going back to this just like with me my first love was martial arts philosophy that was like the foundation for me they were very much integral to who i am and then you're also speaking to this understanding of to do what you're going to be doing for as long as you're going to be doing it which is going to be a long time you have to know who you are and you have to be authentic to who that person is because that's the only thing that's sustainable Mm long-term. If you're just trying to imitate what this person does or this newest, whatever the hell it is, one, our soul's not in it and people can tell Mm -hmm. Um, if we're trying to fake it, it comes across very obvious. And if you think it comes across very obvious that we're faking it in person, like you're saying now, when you have the additional element of a camera, you can just see that it, doesn't feel real. It feels like something's off, no matter how good the lighting is or how great the music is. Yeah. And when you're not aligned, it doesn't matter. But you could have subpar footage and not even any music. But if you're in there and you're in it, people are like, dude, I want to do that. Look at him. Look at the way he's doing that. That's what they want. And so being in that place, being our own source of that is key. And I'm so glad that you're coming back to these things now because that process. That ability to be committed to it understanding that this is a practice it's like meditation it's like prayer anything journaling we we're not doing this for an end result it's a nice byproduct long term Mm -hmm. but, but in this moment like you said this evolution that you've had in the last six months that was from being completely open how do i evolve how can i be pushed what am I believing to be true that maybe if there's somebody that I trust? It's like, actually, I think we can push back against that. They mm-hmm. can challenge us a little bit. That's when we start saying, oh, and you pointed out also, you're 30 and you were just now scratching the surface of what your real potential is because you're starting to see all these connectivities and all these things that overlap and dovetail in a way that you're like, because you had the mastery in one arena. So now you start to see those elements of truth in every other aspect that you decide to mm-hmm. enter
2: yeah and honestly that truth is like you said having that white belt mentality and showing up even though you're a master at something else doesn't mean you can just show up and be the head honcho at something new and just like showing up with an open mind empty your cup
1: and be willing to you know get beat up a little bit at something new that's it and and i love i mean i've got black belts and certifications and a bunch of arts, but yet i love going into a class where i don't have to be the guy that knows all the answers I don't have to naturally already be at this like high level of something. And yes, a lot of it will translate. If you're doing a Chinese yeah. martial art and you're doing another mm-hmm. Chinese martial art, there's similarities. If you're doing jiu jitsu, if you're doing Brazilian jiu jitsu, if you're doing arts that have a similar background, then yeah, there will be some similarities. But at the same time, each of those movements, if you look at them, even the way a punch is thrown, right? Like people have been throwing the right hand for as long as human beings have been erect and been able to make a fist, but yet, if you look at the way Cambodian boxing throws it, if you look at the way Filipino boxing does it, if you look at the way Western boxing does it, if you look at the way a lot of European boxers throw it, when they have their chin up and they don't, they don't like, that's just from the region. And that's what happens. Even this idea of like running, jumping sidekicks, like in a real fight today, I probably won't use that. But back in the day, if you were on the ground and the guy you were fighting was in armor on a horse, yeah, There's no way you're going to be able to fight that guy, especially if you don't have a weapon. But if you can run and jump and just knock him off that horse, and now he has 40 pounds worth of this weird cumbersome armor, and now he can't get up fast enough, and maybe all you have is a machete, that may be the only thing that saves your life or saves your wife or saves your village or saves your way of surviving. Mm -hmm. So if we look at those things and say, okay... What am I taking from that? The sidekick? Well, m- maybe not necessarily, but the idea of what can I do now that's functional, that's pragmatic, that I can apply in this moment. And now you say, okay, maybe that means I kick the guy in the knee now if I'm trying to protect yeah. myself or my wife well, or yeah. your fiance or whomever, right? So Guru is says, when I teach you one technique, you learn one technique. If I teach you a concept, I teach you a thousand techniques. Yeah, And so you're taking that idea and that concept of, animal flow and these unique body movements that create these additional skill sets that now when they come together and they anchor into something else, it just becomes this huge chain of events that you don't even think about because it just naturally like this organic flow in real time.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Like having that concept, conceptual idea over a body weight movement can like translate to the way you perceive your perspective on literature, Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, I'm going to try something unconventional when I write, mm-hmm. you know, just because, it, just like it, like you said, it can have carryover to every part of your life just by that different perspective shift that you have in your mind. And that's been huge for me, is just like learn knowing that whatever situation I'm in, try to learn as much as I can from it because it'll have carryover to. It. You know, you have no idea what. till so it opens up in the future. Like, I, would, I did ayahuasca for the first time a month and a half ago. And I was uh, talking to a couple of guys who had done like 24 ceremonies. Wow. And he did, he said, I think he did his first ceremony like in 2016. And he's like, man, like the stuff that you learn at these ceremonies or in like something as powerful as that, it's like you're still unpacking some of that information mm-hmm. today. You know, so it's like being present and being, you know, really taking in information, being present with it is super important because you don't know when the opportunity is going to present itself or that information is going to unravel itself.
1: Yeah. And it it's one of those things where once you've had that experience or like you were talking about before, for me, because of the experiences I've had in my life, it gives me a, in the arena that I'm in, it gives me a pretty good insight into pretty much the people I'm talking to, whether it be a multi-million dollar CEO or co-founder or a person who's trying to understand why they're self-sabotaging. Like all these ideas are about this this understanding of, listen, this is part of the human condition. And once we start to see that, oh, this is a person who's getting in their own way. Oh, this is a person who's a perfectionist. Oh, this is a person that is type A where they want all of their company to be safe, quote unquote, but yet when it comes to them they can't drop their own walls enough to be vulnerable to be mm-hmm. safe to feel this idea of hey i messed up you know what can we do to move forward and that's where our own ego can sometimes get mixed up and now what does that do that locks out people in our lives that locks out opportunities and business that locks out that connection that we need that is usually the thing that makes us level up to that next place and once we hit a certain level of success right we start to realize that the success, that momentum kind of keeps going,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but being able to continue our own growth and evolution is the thing that we really start to go for. That's the journey that we want to be on. That's what we want to learn. And like you were saying, when you unpack stuff from the past, when you unpack the way that you feel about a certain thing, because you're like, why do I feel like that? Like, why do I have this like friction towards this thing? And then when you start looking at it and you say, oh, I learned this at a young age, or my parents or my family taught me this, is it possible that that may be incorrect? Is it possible that they were just saying what they were told? Is it possible that they were wrong? And when we do that, we don't blame them. We just say, okay, so if that's possible, maybe I should look into these other areas where there's possibility. Maybe there's other areas that have something to offer that I wouldn't have found any other way had we not gone directly directly. At least against that for a moment, just enough to to say, "What if?"
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Like you're speaking to the, the whole parenting thing. is It's been huge for me. Like growing up, my parents didn't show me a lot of affection. Like we never said, "I love you" to each other growing up, wow. and they were always off working. I mean, we grew up like in a lower middle class family, and I mean, I didn't know that. I thought we had everything we ever needed. You, you did, know? yeah, but. I knew that they were working all the time and I was pretty much off on my own, doing my own thing. So they trusted me to be able to take care of myself. So that, that made me strong. But at the end of the day, I felt like I, I didn't realize trying to date women that I became very attached. I was like, Oh man, like love, love. I've never felt this before. I love you. And I, I love being this. I would do everything, anything that it took to to, to keep them happy. And, be of service to them when I didn't realize how my parents influenced me to like not understand how to, re- how to be in a reciprocal relationship and just dated women that kind of weren't giving back, you know, and I started feeling empty and burnt out because I was doing everything for them, but I wasn't dating somebody who was able to reciprocate. And so that I had so many tough relationships Uh, mainly because i didn't know what i was doing i didn't know how to receive and and give love in a healthy way and ultimately i realized like man it's probably because my parents you know didn't didn't teach me that growing up you know affection how to be affectionate but then instead of blaming them i've learned to realize that you know they can't they couldn't give me something that they didn't have you know because they're immigrants from mexico and in mexico things are even rougher And their parents, you know, I think my grandfather abandoned my my father when he was like 10 years old, left him like seven younger sisters and him and his older sister were taking care of all the kids. So he started working when he was like 10 to be able to buy all, all his little sister's shoes so they could walk, you know, be able to go to school. And, you know, he was he didn't receive love the way ideally you want to. And neither did my mother. And so. Like I said, they weren't able to give something that they didn't have, but I've taken responsibility and not blaming them and also not living with that and not continuing to be this person that doesn't take responsibility and teach parent myself, you know, and learn the things that they weren't able to give me and take responsibility and be able to to grow from that. But it takes a lot of work. I've had to be honest with myself open up to people in not in like the sobriety community I was a part of I had a, a, a mentor who I opened up to I told him all the things I was guilty and ashamed of and he helped me identify what are the, some of the things that might have been holding me back the things that were holding me back and then I did a bunch of other you know retreats and emotional intelligence workshops where I opened up to people and was able to dig deep and be honest with myself, like where I was showing up, how I didn't want to show up, where I was, you know, less than what I wanted to be, and where that was coming from. And I'm still not a hundred percent, you know, sure about everything, but I know where a lot of that stuff comes from. And I'm not completely over it, but I'm able to use that to help me get better. And you know, at the end of the day, it's like no matter how we grow up, how our parents taught us there's certain things that we need to take responsibility for and you know parents ourselves and learn the things so that we can break the chain and not pass that down to our kids in the future you know i heard this quote recently it's like the things that aren't transformed are transferred
1: yeah yeah
2: so it's like um right now in the phase of my life where I want to transform as much as I can, all the things that have been holding me back, and I'm, I'm thankful for it. You know, I learned through experience, and so that's another thing that I kind of run into. It's like, man, when I have kids, like I want them to have a good life, but I also want to. I know that what I went through made me the person that I am today. So how do I raise a kid without challenging them? And thankfully, I, I have a lot of. Uh, really great guys, great men in, in my life that I look up to who are doing a great job of of raising awesome kids yeah. in like a beautiful home with a beautiful family with all the, the things that they need, but also challenging them in healthy ways uh, and not necessarily have to grow up hard like some other people have to to learn
1: growing up. Yeah, and like you were saying, we have to forgive our parents because love languages, right? Like the way they express themselves, mm-hmm. the way that they communicate. So if our parents didn't have a whole lot of emotional like support, to them, the definition of a person who is actually showing love means that they support financially the family. So that means yep. they're working their asses off. They're working two or three jobs. They've got a roof over their heads and you've got food and you got clothes. In their mind, they're like, how do they not think that I love them? Like I've already yeah. given them all these things, right? Which is, it's not bad, but then to us as kids, you're like, well, this is what we, I thought this is sort of like a given, you know, what, what, how about why don't, you <laughs> spend time, why don't you spend time with me? Why don't we go play? Why don't we go to Disneyland? And it's like, we don't have time for that. Or we don't have money for that. And now in our mind, oh, mom and dad must not love me. It's like, no, they absolutely do. It's just that with what they have and the capacity that they possess, they're giving us like 90% of it. And then the last 10% is just for them. Mm-hmm which potentially may only be the ability to sleep and maybe take a shower once in a while and get some food so then go to work again. So it's understanding, forgiving them for where they were. That way, that makes it easier for you to forgive yourself in the future. Because again, doing what you're doing, preparing to, to start a family soon, things like that, we are going to mess up. And that's part of it. But once we can say, you know what? Yeah, it may not be perfect, but I am doing everything that I can to learn from this, to evolve. And maybe that way, the things that we pass on to our kids, it's not always going to be perfect, but mm-hmm. at least we give them the best of what we can, like you said, by being present, by having these lessons, by loving them in a way that lets them know that they're loved, but also kicking them in the ass a little bit so that they get that additional resilience, but also giving them a big hug after you kick them in the ass so that they're like, yeah. okay, yeah, this is a, this is a place yeah. them, bro. <laughs> I love that. That's mm-hmm. the key. And then, so tell me a little bit more about, because you talked about your recovery and your recovery group. What was like your rock bottom? What was the thing that made you say, I, I don't want to do this or I can't do this anymore?
2: I was just, honestly, I was just going out a lot, partying, wasting money and Ooh. not focusing on being a good leader for my team, my business. Mm. I had pretty much gotten to a point to where my business was kind of running itself, but not in the best way. And so I was able to kind of take a back seat and let my team kind of handle everything. And without my guidance turned into something that I wasn't happy with. And that just created resentment for my team and with myself, because I knew that I was my responsibility to set the standard and I was off partying, doing my own thing. And actually I was going through a breakup, uh, for about six months and it was i pretty much just used that breakup as an excuse to just i'm gonna go off on my own i'm gonna be crazy i'm gonna drink and party and just do whatever i want but it got to a point to where honestly like in the, in that time is when i started realizing because i was like why didn't this relationship work out and it's I started realizing a lot of the stuff that I was just talking about where it's like, Oh man, my parents didn't raise me. Right. They didn't teach me anything. I even, I remember having a conversation with my mother while I was drunk and I was, I met her, uh, she was having dinner at some Mexican restaurant with some of her friends and my mother doesn't drink, but her friends are drinking. And so they invited me and I was already pretty drunk, but I showed up I Ubered Uber there and then, and I got there and I started having some more drinks and I started accusing my mother, not accusing her, but like, Asking her, like, why don't I know anything about you? You never told me anything about your life and how you grew up. I just, like, you guys never hugged us or told us that you loved us. Like, I just to like, pretty much blaming her for the way that I was then. And that was obviously very mean, especially when you think about, like, yeah, she, was, she did her best. And like you said, she loved me the way that she could by supporting us, you know, putting food on the table and working her ass off. So, looking back at that, I feel very bad for approaching her in that way. Um, But it just brought up a lot of stuff in that time. And so, throughout that time, I was drinking and partying. And what was the tipping point? Thankfully, it wasn't like a really rock, like terrible rock bottom, like a lot of the stories that I heard in the groups. But it was, I was in a point where I felt like I was just in a vicious cycle, in this nasty circle of, I would go out and party. And we would stay up till like two, three in the morning. We'd just be, I'd be with my friends and we'd all be super drunk and fucked up. And we'd just be, we'd start unloading our stories and our trauma and our emotions to each other. So I was seeking connection, right? I was seeking connection with these guys and I was telling them my life stories and they would... You know, it felt so good to, it was therapeutic at the time to unload and to have somebody there listening to you. But slowly I started realizing weekend after weekend that they weren't really listening to me. They were just waiting for their turn to cry and unload their information without providing any constructive criticism. So I felt myself every weekend telling the same story, just like, felt like a crazy person You know, like I wasn't getting any better and I was digging deep into myself and expressing myself and finding out all these things about myself as I was telling my stories. But I wasn't talking to anybody who was kind of bouncing back and giving me some constructive criticism. And so I realized, like, this is not going to end. I'm just pouring out into something that's not pouring back in. And I'm destroying my body at the same time. Like I was in my twenties still. So I was still able to kind of bounce back. I would show up to my workouts and still kind of maintain some type of fitness. But, you know, Friday to Sunday, I was just like off, you know, off the rails and the connection that I was seeking was it in that environment. And so I, I met a friend, she invited me to, to the groups and was sober for almost over nine months before I realized like, okay, like I have, I realized that I was in a bad time and I was depressed and sad and I was using alcohol and substances as a coping mechanism to try to build connection with other people. And by doing and going to those groups, I realized like, man, like I'm just craving connection to be able to, you know, express myself to other humans that are going through similar things And I started realizing after nine months, like there are other groups out there, too, who are going through other things that aren't necessarily just substance abuse. And so I started exploring, doing other things, going to emotional intelligence retreats, doing ayahuasca. And now I'm at a place where I had a drink with my family a couple months ago, you know, to celebrate somebody's birthday. And I didn't go off the rails. I didn't drink all night. I had two drinks. We danced we sang karaoke and i had a good time and now i'm i feel like i'm you know i'm over that part and i can now indulge a little bit without or not indulging when i'm in a bad
1: place yeah you don't have to go to excess to be able to feel that feeling of yeah and
2: And only doing it if there's actually something like i'm in a positive state of mind You know, not using it as a a a tool to as a medicine to try to get me out of my slump. I've found tools like honestly just talking to other people about what I'm going through. That is a lot in the sober state of mind. That is a lot more effective than getting drunk together when nobody's really present.
1: You know, and there's so many people that don't understand that they may be avoiding the adversity of what's going on in their mind with alcohol or drugs, but. They're creating more adversity down the line. Yeah. And they're going to have to face that. And it becomes heavier every time you don't face it. So I'm glad that you did that work. And then, having said that, you recently had a big celebration with. Yeah. Uh, tell us about what we're celebrating.
2: Yeah. So uh, I just got engaged last week.
1: Congratulations, brother. I'm so happy. Catherine.
2: For you. Thank you. Yeah. So she's been a huge force in my life to help me keep you know pushing forward pushing my edge honestly it's all it's been one of the most challenging yet peaceful and productive last four months of my life you know like you say adversity is a gift being with her there's a lot of adversity because she's such a like wild woman i would say like she knows she's very much like very strong, very intelligent, and very feminine, yet also very in in tune with her own masculine energy. So she's also just very, helps me in so many ways. And I I appreciate all the challenges that she brings me. Even though she doesn't know that she's challenging me sometimes, it's because I'm able to overcome those challenges without being wavering. Isn't is it it's usually not till after the fact, a couple of weeks later, where we bring back the experience. I'm like, man, what you put me through that day was it was hard. And she's like, What? What do you mean? You made it seem like it was so easy. And I'm like, It was because I overcame it in the moment, but it, it was a lot of internal, like not even struggle, but just like overcoming old patterns, you know, for example. We're at the ayahuasca ceremony. We did that together and leading up to it. I was a little nervous because I knew she had a lot of stuff to work through. And so did I, but being with her, I want, it was her first ever, uh, like very powerful experience like that. And I had done a form of ayahuasca about 10 years ago. So I kind of knew a little bit what I was getting into. And so I was kind of there to support her while also being there for myself and to ask some questions that I was dealing with. But, you know, knowing it was her first time, I was a little nervous, especially we were still long distance at the time. And I was Mm -hmm. like, man, what's going to happen is she's going to have this transformative experience where she's not going to want to be with me. You know, that could happen. That's a possibility. And Mm -hmm. I just have to be comfortable with whatever happens. It's her truth. And it's what she has to go through to, to be her best self. And I'm telling myself these, these things, you know, leading up to the, Second, the first ceremony was great. She had some, some powerful breakthroughs, but the second ceremony, I knew we were going to do a little bit more of the medicine or the ayahuasca, and it was going to be a more powerful experience. So I was like, kind of, you know, trying to muster up the courage, getting ready for it. And sure enough, that second ceremony, she had a very powerful experience and if it was me in that position a year ago, I would have been so uncomfortable because she was being so expressive and like making noises and, you know, honestly, like moaning very sexually in front of a group of people and you know, connecting with this divine feminine energy. And I was so happy and so peaceful and honestly, just focused on what I was going through at the time. And I could hear her what she was going through and it made me so happy to know that she was working through what she had to work through. But if it was me a year ago, I would have been so uncomfortable. I would have been like, "What? like, why are you being so expressive? You're like, calm down. This is making me uncomfortable. We're in a room full of people. But I was just like, "Nah, this is it. You know, this is, this is beautiful. And the fact that I was able to overcome that or like to see that in me, I was like, man, I've made strides in in myself to be able to, to deal with anything and know that whatever anybody else goes through, it's it doesn't have to affect me in any harmful way and make me feel uncomfortable. It can make me feel uncomfortable, but I don't have to let it affect the way I see myself and the way I interact with them because that's their own individual process and they have to heal how they have to and just like how I do. And I don't want to be judged. And so I don't want to judge them. And being able to overcome that was beautiful. And it wasn't until after we got home that I kind of told her, like, yeah, that was really challenging. She said, what? No way. Like, you were there for me. You were strong as a rock. And you were unwavering. And I wouldn't have been able to, to, to really go that deep if you hadn't been there. And so that made me feel even more strong knowing that. Even though it was hard for me at times, the fact that I was able to stand my ground and stay centered, I was able to help her push through and overcome a lot of stuff because she felt safe. And so I'm like, man, that's what I'm here for. I'm here in a partnership yes. to help her feel safe so that she can be her best self.
1: Because she does the same for me. Yeah, and that allows her to ascend. And as she ascends, she naturally brings you with her. And as you ascend, you naturally bring that gravity for her. And this is it. We were talking before adversity binds us or it pulls us apart. And the thing that people miss is in the state of that adversity, they don't want to be present. They don't want to be completely there with this discomfort, with this emotion. But if you say, no bullshit, like this is uncomfortable, but where is the physical, like where is the evidence that this is actually harming me? Like for real. And when we do that and we go, There really isn't. Now I can just accept it for what it is. I don't resist it. I don't push back. And now I just let it go through me because it's going to stay in our body until we allow it to leave, until we exercise it. And lots of times, if that becomes what we feel normal to be people that are around chaos, people that are around stress, people that are around dysfunction, they will actually hold on to that because it's a feeling that's familiar and letting go of it feels more scary because they would rather have the devil they know. Than the yeah. potential of what a future could be for them.
2: Wow. Uh, that explains, yeah, I can see how that works for a lot of people who are in these tough situations. If you're addicted to a substance, you know, it's more comfortable to keep doing the thing that you know is bad for you. But, you know, taking a step back and actually dealing with your demons and letting things go is a lot harder. But from my experience, letting go of those things has been and like, oh, like confronting those demons, you realize, especially when you work with other people who are going through similar things, you realize, like, man, my demons aren't that bad. And I mean, to me, they are. You know, I'm not gonna like downplay anybody else's with what you're going through, but it's not stronger than what you're capable of. And um, I feel so empowered nowadays. And now that I'm in more alignment, I've been able to. Find somebody, or attract the person who's also in alignment with me yes. who continues to seek challenge and growth. And I'm super excited to keep rolling with it, keep encountering more adversity because I realize that that's honestly the only way to live for me is to keep being challenged, keep growing. Otherwise, I get stagnant and I either I get stagnant or my partner gets stagnant, and they develop resentment towards me for not stepping up or only being of only doing things that service them and support them. And I don't support myself. You know, I become a weight instead of actually being my own individual and helping the team for the greater good, you know? And so it's been so awesome to be with somebody who, who understands that I will support her, but I also have to support myself and focus on my own individual
1: Growth. Yeah, you have to because the person that she wants to be with is a person that is willing to continue to grow Mm -hmm. and push and embrace these micro adversities or big adversities, right? We we understand this. If I get accustomed to finding adversity as my like that's my compass and I go towards that, that gives me a better chance of actually surviving when a real hard adversity comes and hits me in the face. But if we don't have any resilience whatsoever, whether it be physically, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually. And then something happens like COVID, or we lose a friend, or we have a breakup, or we lose a family member, or we hit financial ruin, we are ill-equipped, and now we're ambushed by it. And now that thing that we should have been able to like take the hit and like shake it off, now it becomes that thing that devastates us for years. And some people never get beyond that. Some people have this bad thing that happens. They play the victim. That wasn't fair. Poor me. I should have had this. I used to be this. That's mm-hmm. great. I I mean, I'm, I'm sorry that you went through that. But now what? Mm-hmm. What are you willing to do now? Are you going to just keep playing this story? Because if you do, that's fine. But like you said, what people will you attract? People that are going to do the same thing, just like you were saying, where you guys are all drunk and you're trying to express yourselves to be heard, but yet you were just waiting for your opportunity to unload when nobody else is going to give a shit in the process.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
1: Man, listen, I could talk to you for hours, but I want to be respectful of your time and you have this this new, it's, it's your new 14-day program that's going to be out in December. Tell us about yeah. what that is. Tell us about how we can learn more about you. Because everything that we're talking about right now is what I think people and men specifically, especially that are wanting to learn, be in groups, be in a, a community that's going to be very much in this kind of vein, want more of. The training, obviously, you have that down. You've got yeah. that as a very powerful aspect. But that's just a foundational element to everything else that Absolutely. you're working with.
2: Yeah, it's a foundation. It's like, honestly like everything that we're talking about, mental health, the sobriety, the lowest hanging fruit for anybody who is yeah. trying to develop discipline and overcome anything is developing your physical body, you know, taking care of your your health, your nutrition and becoming stronger and it's the easiest way to start developing discipline and uh, so I'm launching a 14-day intro to my primal training methods so basically 14 days it's a free course i'm going to teach people all the fundamentals of all the basic movement patterns like how to squat hinge push pull how to carry and also some primal body weight flow movements that i love doing and some more rotational kettlebell moves that I like to incorporate into my training. Uh, but yeah, it's basically, I break down all the fundamentals so that anybody who wants to start doing my workout programs can develop a strong foundation and feel comfortable jumping into my, my training routines. So stay tuned for that. That'll be launching sometime in December, awesome. uh, but we're just trying to kind of make sure everything's dialed in and everything looks good and we'll pump it out soon and, uh, stay tuned. I've also got some like men's groups and experiences, uh, coming up in the next year. Uh, nice. Lots of opportunities to connect and, uh,
1: have some tribe building opportunities. So look forward to that. I love that. So we should follow you on primal soldier on Instagram. And then is that also the name of the website? Where do you want to direct us for those other things?
2: Yeah. Uh, you can go to ericleha.com and I'm at Eric Leha on Facebook and also on YouTube. Uh, so you can check out all those channels. Uh, I'll be posting all kinds of stuff. Keeping people updated on what's going on so go check me out
1: yeah man i i can't recommend eric enough this is a person who truly knows the the walk he's not just parodying a bunch of stuff that everybody else talks about and if you're truly wanting to take that physicality like you said that lowest hanging fruit to the level that you need to that's what gives you the confidence to continue to move forward mm-hmm. and when you have a, a strength in body it gives you the capacity to face adversity in a way that you never would have before because the way that we conduct ourselves in the face of adversity is an indication of how we will do everything else, whether it be a relationship, ayahuasca, a person who's not respecting our boundaries or more importantly, having the ability to give ourselves the accountability to respect our own boundaries as well.
2: Exactly. I love that.
1: All right. Thanks, brother. I will talk to you soon.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me on. You guys take care.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Okta Nonverba.